Good morning. Man, it's good to see you. My name is Ben Chapman. I am one of the pastors here at Luminous Church, and it's an opportunity for me to, uh, and a privilege to preach to you the word this morning. If you have your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, as you're getting there, I want to let you know a couple of things. Uh, first off, our parenting seminar uh, that morning is also for single parents. So you don't have to be married to come to that parenting seminar. I'm sitting next to Jeff, who is a single dad. He's incredible in every way. And so I, I think it would have value to you, um, whether you're single or married that morning. I also want to let you know that, that there are just a few more spots for Baja, and there is a Baja mission trip informational meeting in Plugged In right after service. So in the Plugged In class in this hallway, there's an informational meeting. So if you've been on the fence, we've been announcing this for a month now, and we're leaving everybody just an opportunity. Come on now. Come on, somebody who wants to go to Baja. Come on, anybody. Nobody. All right. There you go. One person who's already going. All right. And plugged in, man, we would love, love for you to come. Overcoming. I want to talk about Overcomer. This is our last week. Uh, Pastor Derek and Russell Ann will be sharing the word next Sunday. They're going to do a tremendous job. They're incredible. And then, and then we'll start our series in Job, talking about Job. But overcoming, we've been talking about all these things that we have to overcome as individuals, as followers of Jesus. We have to overcome comparison, comparing our life with one another, comparing our belongings, our things, our possessions. Uh, another way to say that is keeping up with the Joneses. Have you ever heard that? Trying to keep up with your neighbor. Oh, they got a new car. I need to get a better car, you know, all those things. So if you struggle with that like I do, then probably go online and listen to that sermon. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about apathy, overcoming apathy. I, that's probably the least thing I struggle with, right? I'm not apathetic. I just need a, I'm, I'm like moving all over the place. That's my problem uh, with apathy. But anyway, and then last week we talked about overcoming labels, um, what people say you are, uh, or maybe labels that you've been putting on yourself. Um, sometimes we self-identify with things that are not godly. And today we're going to talk about overcoming fear. So if you have your Bibles in 2 Timothy one, seven, you know this so well. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Let's say that again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Self-control would be better. That's a different version, okay? Come on, somebody. It's good. Look at the conference monitor. Man, that is so true. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Well, why is Paul even writing this to Timothy? Uh, Timothy is, is Paul's little disciple. He, he's, he's the guy that just sat down doing the purple book at Starbucks with Paul, and now he's commissioning them to, to pastor the church, to pastor a whole church. Uh, how many of you know it's hard to lead something? Sometimes it's hard to lead yourself. And, and there's so many fears that come against us, aren't there? There's, there's lots of fears. There's the fear of loss. And maybe you struggle with this, the fear of loss. Maybe losing somebody that you love. Maybe, maybe, losing, um, maybe losing your health. Maybe losing uh, your job. Uh, some of us are afraid or have this fear of loss. Others of us have a fear of failure, that, that we're just inadequate. We're not going to measure up, that, that we, we can't keep up financially. 
That, that spiritually, I'm just a failure. I, I, I do well with Jesus, and, and I'm doing well, but then I fell, and then I fell. And, and so why do I even try? Some of us have that fear. Others have a fear of rejection. Are people going to accept me? Are they going to uh, uh, love me? I, I just have this fear of being rejected, and, and I have this fear of being left out, and I have this fear that, that uh, I'm never going to get married because, because I'm constantly going to be rejected, or a fear that, that maybe my marriage won't work out. And then some of us have the fear of the unknown. The unknowns of life, the future, what does the future hold? How's it going to work out? Uh, Will my health uphold? Will my job last? Will these things happen? And and we have this fear of unknown. There's all sorts of fears that come against us, aren't there? There's all sorts of fear. Now, usually when a pastor talks about fear, right, he he uses an arachnophobia illustration or or uh, scared of heights I, I remember um when we went bungee jumping with my friend and we were so stoked and i didn't want to bungee jump because i didn't want to waste 60 dollars for a two second thrill ride you know uh, but some of you don't care and so so you're gonna pay the sixty thousand dollars to jump you know a hundred feet but i didn't want to but i got caught up in the moment you ever get caught up in the moment everybody's doing something fun so you want to do it too come on anybody last night you know at lush okay come on somebody <laughs> So, so, so you get caught up in this moment, and I went up there, and I was so excited. And my friend, who, who we went for, got up there, and he's on the edge, and he grabs a hold of the side and doesn't jump off. I was like, what's going on, man? He's like, man, dude, I'm just, I'm just scared. I'm so fearful, you know? And so we, we called him a wimp and all those things, and then we realized that wasn't working. So then we started putting faith in there. Come on, man, you can do it. You're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Get off that thing. Come on. <laughs> somebody god has not given you a spirit of fear but of love power and a sound mind to jump off that thing now now how many of you know how many of you know uh, we all have fears of thrills and we all have these weird fears but that's not the fear that keeps you from the destiny god has for you there's a fear that we wrestle with we may step into from time to time that keep us from what God has given us, from what God has directed us. And that's what I want to talk about. Well, what do we do? Some people say that, that, that fear is the opposite of faith. Have you heard that? Fear is the opposite of faith. But it's actually, I like this better. Fear is faith in the wrong things. It's in the wrong things, the, the wrong motives. And, and God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is not God-given when it comes to something that's blocking a God-given dream. Now, now there's a healthy fear. I don't want to jump off a cliff because then I die, you know, and then my destiny's over. So, so that's, but they're, 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 God doesn't give you a spirit of fear. So, so another way to say that is fear is placing your faith in the what-ifs. Have you ever heard that? What what if this happens? Moses was the same as he was commissioned by God to set the Israelites free out of captivity. And Moses was a stuttering person who ran away scared, right? And, And there's all these labels on Moses, and he's identifying with those labels. And as he's identifying with that, he starts saying this in Exodus 4.1. As God says, go and set my people free, he says, oh, what, what if they do not believe me 
Lord, listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Oh, 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 what if? What if? What if I'm wrong? Oh, what if they question it? Well, what do I do then? What if? We've all done that. What if the stock market crashes and, and I lose my retirement and I'm 62 and I was just about to retire, but, but now my income is, is in a, a quarter, a fraction of what it was? Well, what if? Well, what if? What if I don't get married? What if I lose my health? What, what if I lose my job? Uh, what if I can't have kids? What if? What if I never get married and I've been longing for that? Or, or worse yet, what if I marry a jerk? What if I marry the wrong person? We all, we all say that. We all put our faith in these what ifs, this misdirected faith. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. You can write that down. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. If you're afraid of losing your marriage, it's probably because you value your marriage. You probably actually value it. If you're worried that something's going to happen to your child, then you probably value your children. You probably love them. If you're, if you're worried about the future and your security and, and this financial stability, right, you probably value security and stability and, and being able to be financially secure. So what you fear the most reveals what you value the most. But second, what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. You're afraid of losing your marriage. You, you trust God the least with your marriage. If you're, you're afraid something's going to happen to your child, you probably don't trust God with your children. You're terrified of not having enough and always running out. You may not trust God as your provider. And that's what I want you to acknowledge today. I want us to acknowledge it. I'm going to be transparent with you, and I'm going to ask you to be transparent with yourself. I want you to write this down. If you have a piece of paper, a pen, a, a, a phone, notes in a phone, something, somebody pull out something to write with. And if you're not writing, just act like you are, please. It helps me out. It makes me feel like I'm not up here in vain. I'm not trusting God with blank. Not trusting God with blank. My children. My future. My health. Someone I love. My aging parents. Not trusting God with blank. You know, I've heard it said, and I'll, I'll say it as you're writing that down. The faintest ink is stronger than the strongest memory. So why do we write stuff down? Because you're not going to remember everything. I love my friend. He's a JD, went to law school, you know. He's so smart. I'm like, bro, you're not going to remember this. You write it down right now. So funny. Well, maybe. So why are we writing it down? I want to tell you this. You can't defeat what you won't define. You don't define it. You're not going to be able to defeat it. 
not going to be over overcome it. We, we do this a lot in life. So I'm going to ask you something. God is not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. But love, power, and sound mind. So there is a truth to whatever fear you just wrote down. Obviously, there's a truth that God has spoken to the fear that you wrote down. So I, I, I want you to consider something because we're defining it, but we also want to have power over it. And how you have power over it is that you start voicing it to somebody around you. So I want you to turn to somebody on your left or right. And if you would be so bold, uh, name the fear that has held you hostage. Name that fear, whatever it is. Now, some of you are like, oh, I don't even know this person. I'm not telling them my fear. Or I'm going home with this person. I'm not telling them that. You know, whatever it may be. So just tell them, my greatest fear is telling you my greatest fear. Okay, so go ahead. Take a minute to do that. You can tell we're in second service. Y'all are still talking about it. Hey, this is why you need to go to a connect group this week so you can actually talk about it for a long time, longer than one minute in a message. You know, it's better get in a circle than rows. Come on, somebody. Get in a connect group. Okay, let's, let's, let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up as you, as you acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge your fear, and you have to choose to trust God anyway, don't you? I'm going to tell you this, that, that a lot of times we have a lot of people out there, a lot of Christians say, this isn't happening to me. This isn't happening to me. I'm not struggling. Oh, it's okay. No, this isn't real. No, no, I'm, no, I'm not in debt. No, don't open those bills. Just leave them right there. Let them stack up. Oh, don't acknowledge it, and they'll go away. All those creditors, everything is just going to disappear. It's going to be amazing. Right? Like, we don't acknowledge it. I'm not really sick. Oh, no, this isn't sickness. That's a cough, dude. You're sneezing. Like, that's, you're sick. No, no, I'm not sick. I don't acknowledge it. I'm not sick. I'm not going to the doctor. I don't need help. I don't need any of this, right? Like, like all that. You have to acknowledge reality. You have to acknowledge reality. You have to acknowledge these things if you're ever going to get past them and see what God has for you. That doesn't mean it goes away. If I open those bills, the debt's the same whether I open them or I don't open them. It's the same, right? Whether, whether I acknowledge my hurt back or don't acknowledge it, it, it's the same. Now, I will say this. We, we've grown up in a, an era, a faith era. Maybe if you grew up charismatic. So we, you know, I love non-denominational churches. Half y'all are Baptist, half y'all are Pentecostal. We're all in one room together. Praise God for non-denominational. So, so, so if you grew up in the Pentecostal movement, it was, it was, you're already healed, brother. Just claim your healing. Just walk out your healing. You're already healed. Right? And for the Baptist, like, God doesn't heal. <laughs> Except through doctors. So, right? So there's this paradox in here, and some of y'all chuckle, and some of y'all are just looking at me strange. But I will say this. I'm going to tell you this. Acknowledging your fear and choosing to trust God is realizing this, that 
that God has already moved on your, on your behalf. This is an attribute of God. The, the theology of God is this. God is outside of time. He doesn't exist in time per se. He exists outside of time, but it chooses to invade time for our behalf. He chooses to show up. It's why Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. It's why Jesus was already crucified before the world was ever created. Because God already foreknew that because he is timeless. He is eternal. And that will blow your mind because you're like, I don't even know what that means. But God comes and invades our time. So if you do walk out your healing, I am already healed. I am healed. I am well. I am no longer in debt. Praise God. All these things. That's true eternally. But you have to acknowledge it in the physical and ask God to come on your behalf supernaturally. And sometimes he will. and Sometimes he won't. We'll, we'll get into Job and talk about all that. It's going to be amazing. This is hard, but, but David knew this in the Old Testament. David was anointed king before he was king. He was promised king. That means, that means that God already said that he was king. He was anointed king, but it had not come to fruition on earth, did it? Therefore, Saul, the reigning king, went and sought David's life, went to kill him. Because he's about to take Saul's job. How many of you are like, ooh, ooh, I'm coming after the CEO position, right? Coming after him. But I better not tell him or he'll come after me first, right? And so, so Saul's seeking David. He's seeking his life. He wants to take his life from him. And David is running around fearful and afraid that my life may be taken because Saul has a great army and he's going to hunt me down and he's seeking my life. How many of you would like to be hunted every day of your life like the Hunger Games? I watch the Hunger Games. I'm like, dude, I'm hiding in a tree. Nobody's finding me, camouflaging. And when there's only two left, like sneak attack. <laughs> right? Like... Like, I'm fearful if somebody's after me. I'm fearful. I just, I want to let you know, David is in the Hunger Games with Saul. Imagine that. Imagine the fear. Imagine the anxiety. Imagine, imagine the worry. And in Psalm 56, 2 through 4, what does he say? In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Yeah, I thought, I thought, Ben, it sounds like his fingers are in his ears. He's kind of in denial, you know, like, what can mere mortals do to me? He's living in, like, a, a state of denial, maybe, you know, like, he, what can they do to you? They can kill you, David. That's what they can do to you. But he moved it from this temporal position, this temporary setting, to an eternal one. To where God is sitting on the throne. And nothing is hidden from God. Nothing's absent from God. And nothing will happen without God. God is on the throne. And so he said this. He said, I'm moving to an eternal perspective. So we all wrote down a fear. I'll tell you some of my fears. I have this huge fear of failure. Like, I, I don't want to try things because I may fail. 
Therefore, I won't try anything at all, which leaves me in a state of constant apathy. It's, it's like when you're hovering in the air and there's no traction under your legs. Like, it leaves you in this place. And, and the way that you overcome the fear of failure is procrastination right? Uh, I have a test. I have a paper. I have an event. If I just procrastinate long enough, then I can, I can hammer it out the last minute. I feel the pressure. I feel the weight. And then if I don't do well, it's okay because I didn't really try. Right? And, and I'm not alone because I think we all have this thing in us. But this is mine. And, and yours may be different on your paper. And, and, and fear of failure is great masked with procrastination and there's a good side of procrastination for all those competitors and achievers and need the pressure and all that stuff but but for me my heart's dirty in it and and what I realize is that that you could procrastinate for events you could procrastinate for papers in school you could procrastinate for projects at work but you can't procrastinate being a father and you can't procrastinate being a husband and you can't procrastinate being a pastor of a church and you can't procrastinate from the calling that God's put on your life because it's not a one-time event or a one-time paper. It is life. It is the journey that we go on. And so when I realize that, it moves me into a deeper state. Oh, man, I'm afraid. I remember sitting out planting the church. I was so afraid to plant the church because I knew that there was going to be a family that we built with. There was going to be... 200 plus people that God was going to bring and we were going to do life with them and shepherd them and love them and encourage them and all this stuff. But I had so much fear of failure. What if we don't? What if nobody comes? What if we're only here for a year? Church stats are crazy with church plants. There was a church plant in town that happened just a couple months ago and it ceased to exist. I mean, just over and over, like, the, the failure rate's huge. Just, and you know this, if you're an entrepreneur, you started anything, huge failure rates. And I, was, I, I had a lot of fear in it. So when I told people, hey, man, I'm planting this church. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty good, you know, I, I hope. You know, I, Lord willing, it's going to be awesome. But you know what, man, I, I'd love for you to be a part of it. But, but really, I just I need you to pray about it. I need you to hear from God to see if you want to be a part of this. Because really, I'm afraid, and I think it's not going to work out. So can you pray so that the onus is on you and not on me? See what I did there? And as a result, I walked timidly. And the timidity of your steps will affect your future, will affect the outcome. So what did I have to do? I had to start putting my faith in Jesus. I had to seek God until he took away all my fears. I had to seek God. I had to seek his presence until he took away all my fears, just like David in Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. It's only God who can deliver you from your fears. God is where perfect peace is found. God is where, where, where you find yourself safe and secure and you find hope. God is where it is because there are things that are out of your control. And no matter how hard you grip, there are things that are going to slip through there if it's not for God. Man, I remember praying for my friend Chase. Chase was working a night job. 
He was hating his life, hating his wife, hating his kid, hating me. Everything was hate out of his mouth. He did not want to be there, but he was believing God for something else. He was believing God. He was having faith for something else. Not, not that, but he was having faith. In the midst of his trial, he was seeking God. In the midst of his trial, he was having peace with the Lord. That no matter what my circumstance, I'm going to seek God. And, and I remember he, he had the faith to pray and fast and believe for an open door. And he landed a new job. And, and God rewarded him because God rewards those who diligently seek him. I'm so thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful for, for the Bedios, you know, who, who, man, looking for a house, newly married, and there's so much fear about getting a house. Is the door going to open? Is this going to be the right one? If we make an offer on this house, will, will it actually go through? And then you have the waiting period. How many hate the waiting period? You're like, they got to inspect this thing and relook at my income and my social security and my birthplace and, and my fingerprints and everything else and breathalyzer. It's crazy, right, to get a house. And all this fear, but they're, they're having faith. They're choosing to trust God and having peace in the circumstance. They're going to seek him, that he would take away all their fears in that circumstance. Or the Via Nuevas, who, who just came to faith in Jesus just a few years ago. And, and I remember, I remember man, Justin giving his life to Jesus, and, and he's so excited. And, man, uh, I remember Melissa giving her life to Jesus, and they're so excited about this walk. And, and every time somebody starts following Jesus, I'll just say this. Every time somebody starts following Jesus, I get nervous. Like, oh, my goodness, I hope nothing bad happens to them because then they're going to quit believing. You know, they're going to walk away from it. Anybody else like that? You invite some of your connect group. You want to preach Jesus passionately. You want to tell how Jesus is good, how Jesus is faithful, how Jesus is going to show up. But you're like, well, if he doesn't for them, I don't know if I can really speak like this. Maybe I'll speak like this. Well, you know, sometimes Jesus, you know, sometimes you know, the Lord loves us in every circumstance. You know, you start talking weird like it's not even you. It's not even what God put inside of you anymore. You start making stuff up. Well, man, this is how it was for the Villanuevas. And we were praying for them, and we got to pray for them that they would conceive and have a baby. And they did. And we were like, whoa, yes, God's good. God's awesome. And then you get the news a couple months later that they have a miscarriage. And, and you realize, oh, my gosh, what now? What do I say? Are they going to walk away from Jesus? Are they going to turn their back? Are they going to feel like God's unfaithful? So many what ifs. And I was having what ifs for them, but they were having their own what ifs. Oh, man, God, we prayed for this. We were believing for this. We were hoping for this. It's been a while, and, and now we have all these what ifs. What if? And in that moment, you're conflicted, but are you going to seek the Lord? And you're going to seek him until your what ifs and your fears and all that is put back on God where I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm going to seek Jesus. I'm going to seek the Father no matter what. You know, what's amazing is that baby ended up going to heaven because we believe babies that God creates and they go to heaven. And so we're so thankful for that. But, but here's what's even more thankful and more celebratory is that that they conceived again, that God gave life to the womb again because he's the one who gives life and takes it away. I hate when he takes it away, but I love when he gives it. And they conceived again, and they had a baby, a baby Avery that was born last week. And, and man, God is good. He's good. He's, he's amazing. He's faithful. But you know what? He was good before then. 
He's good during then. He's good after the fact. Because he's always good and he doesn't, his character, his attribute doesn't cease to be good. Doesn't cease to be for you. He is for you and he delivers you from all your fear. In Daniel chapter 3, we know this story. I think it's appropriate for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to talk about them. You see, they were seeking God. They found peace in God, that he was enough for them. And when the majesty, when the king said something differently, said something that you can't seek God anymore, you can't follow God anymore, you need to bow to something else, what is their response in 317? It says this, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Regardless, he's going to deliver us from your hand in verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. God is able. God is willing. God does a lot, and he sets us free a lot, but sometimes he doesn't. But here's the thing, whether he does or he doesn't, God is God. I am not. And when you have fear, give it over to him and quit being the God of your life. Let him reign over you because he's eternal. He's outside of time, and he knows your beginning, and he knows your end, and he's worth it. Church, would you stand with me today? I want, I'd love the opportunity to pray for you. As you're standing, I want to read a John Wesley quote. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, and this is what he says. I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. Whenever I feel fearful emotions overtaking, I just close my eyes and thank God that he's still on the throne, reigning over everything. And I take comfort in this, in his control over all the affairs of my life. Church, would you take comfort in that? Would we rejoice in this? If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. I want the opportunity to pray for you. I want to pray for two people today. First, if you've never placed faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to choose to trust him for the first time today, I'd love for you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. If that's anybody in here, I want to give you the opportunity today to give your life and surrender fully to Jesus. Second group of people I want to pray for is those who wrote down something they're having a really hard time getting past it. And they're afraid to talk about it because if they talk about it, then maybe they'll be judged or condemned. But today, I want to pray that fear would be broken off. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I have something, Pastor. I want you to pray for me. I want this to be released. I'm tired of this. Raise your hand up and cry out to God with me. Father, you see every hand. God, I just pray, God, that you would just break anxieties, for that is not a spirit of the Lord. So take away fear right now in the name of Jesus. 
I pray that you would break fear, that you would break chains. God, that there would be no fear, doubt, and unbelief in this. And God, I pray that you would replace it with power, love, and a sound mind right now. In the name of Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, give power, give love, give a sound mind. Give power, give love, give clarity. Give power, give love, speak to their circumstance. Give power, give love, speak truth. In the name of Jesus, amen.